guy. Mike Johnson had a had a front row seat to it all. Busy guy too, MJ. You go right from Halifax back into Colin Leafs games. How you feeling? Yes, good afternoon, guys. Good to talk to both of you together. I feel like it's been a while since we've all chatted yeah. uh, at the same time as we've all been kind of scattered all around. Yeah, it was it was a different kind of night last night in Philly because you're trying to plug back in the NHL and kind of check back in with the Leafs and follow what's going on with them and um, after the World Junior stuff. But before we get to that, guys, A.B., I don't know if you heard. You want to talk about standout World Junior performances. Of course, Connor Bedard is uh, <laughs> the forefront of everyone's mind. But there was another I'm episode. So glad you of, went here. Of skill and dominant <laughs> performance and just eyebrow raising talent that I witnessed firsthand. And that was our very own JT dominating the TSN staff hockey game. Love like it. You would not believe. I had no idea she had this kind of game. Just slicing and dicing and end to end, coast to coast, finishing. Shot top cheese. I was very, very impressed. Like, I heard she we get to split the, the D. Like, she's out there splitting yeah. the D. Uh, Listen, fearless. Fearless. No equipment on. Doesn't matter. Just flying around. Borrowed skates. Borrowed sticks. It did not matter. <laughs> she is the natural. She's Roy Hobbs. That's who she is. Uh, this is hilarious. This story keeps evolving, and it keeps getting more hilarious. I think we have to get I even heard she scored at Michigan. No, that was Mike Johnson. And you know what? The worst part about that, MJ, is I didn't get that on film. Like, it, it, it is a true tragedy that I didn't get your Michigan shootout goal on film. Well, the thing about that, then, now I could just embellish how great it was. Yeah. And no one can really dispute it. Um, just, just to let you know. You know what it was? It must have been the kid's sick. The funny part about the whole thing, A.B., we had this kind of staff TSN game on the real ice. It was super fun to get out there skate around and just have some laughs, but nobody brought any equipment. So um, we were all wearing borrowed skates, but Team Canada gave us gloves and sticks. I could not believe. It was cool. They nice. gave us game. Like, you I get to keep Grant it? Clark. No. No, no. They didn't even but, bother giving us bedards also. They were like, we, well, we're never getting no. this back, so we will not be borrowing this. Yeah, so I use Brant Clark's stick and like the, like just to try the different sticks and the flexes and stuff. Maybe for me, that's cool. Uh, as a former guy who used quite a stiff uh, stick, um, it was like it's, they're just so so different uh, using the new sticks. So maybe that had something to do with it. But anyways, it was a good time out there, and uh, yeah, we were JT and I were hanging out for the for the couple weeks. Well, I guess before we get into Leafs game, we can continue on to uh, some World Junior stuff because because you know it was the Connor Bedard show pretty much the entire time you guys were out there, and and he returned to the OHL yesterday, four goal performance, six points, had thirteen shots on goal. Um, I mean, with the tournament that he had, MJ. Did he put himself into that generational category for you? That's kind of the conversation that everyone's having around uh, around the hockey circles right now. I don't think how he couldn't go into that conversation. So, like, you think about it this way. So, first of all, six points, four goals, 13 shots in a WHL game. Like, that's obscene. Like, that's not supposed to happen. I don't care how good you are, but having watched him light up the World Juniors, can you imagine being, like, a 16- or 17-year-old kid in the WHL, you're playing for Saskatoon, and here comes Connor Bedard. Like, what am I going to do with this guy? Uh, you couldn't, like, the best players in the world that are 20 couldn't stop him, let alone, you know, a junior team. So, uh, but I think that is a frequent question, and it's a fair one, about, you know, is he a generational talent? And now generational gets thrown around way too often for it to be generational. So, but, I mean, if you look at the company he's keeping with his performance in juniors, right, it's Wayne, 
it's Mario, it's Eric, it's McDavid. It's like all the guys who only have one name who were generational players. Um, and he was better than all of them at that age. Now, I don't think he becomes better than all of them in the NHL, but I don't know how you can't compare him guys based on where he is right now in his career. Um, it, it's, it's amazing what he just did. Like, it's just crazy what he was just able to do against that level of competition. So um, I guess he's there. I, I, I don't know. I've been, I've been searching for comparables. NHL, right? Like He's a bit of everything, trying. isn't he? Right, he is. So, like, people say Marner. I'm like, well, maybe because he passes really well and handles the puck like the way Marner does. But Marner is a passer first and not a shooter. Um, you know, maybe it's Cole Caulfield. Cole Caulfield's basically scoring at a 50-goal pace. Like, you could do a lot worse than Cole Caulfield. Yeah. Um, but it feels like, he's, you know, he has the puck more. He's more a facilitator, even though he has the same shot. I keep stumbling on so Steven Stamkos. Mm. You know, a guy who scored a lot, but also a great passer played center and wing, did a whole bunch of different things, like who's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Like some version of all those guys, and none of them are generational players, but all of them are super elite level players, and that's kind of the conversation he completely deserves to be in. Yeah, for me, when I'm watching him, the only thing that maybe separates McDavid from Connor Bedard for me is it doesn't seem like Bedard has that, like, that, acceleration no. to break away like his speed isn't quite on the that McDavid level to allow him to really be that type of, but he's got the hands yeah. in tight especially you saw in that Slovakia goal that can make him do things but what actually stood out to me a lot about his game which I it just it, he always seemed to be in the right place at the right time every single rebound found his stick and and I don't think that's by accident. It seems like the guy can read rebounds off of pads as well as anybody on, on planet earth. Yeah, well, he's got, like, there's so many things he's gifted at. Um, and I think his hockey brain, his ability to read, um, he throws more no-look passes than Steve Nash in a game. Like, every time he's going through the team, he's going no-lookers. Like, he knows where everyone is. He knows where everyone's going. He gets all of that stuff. He's playing chess out there when other guys are playing checkers, however you want to put it. Yeah. Um, and that includes, like, rebounds, caroms off the board. Um, like, I watch him play, and, like, defensively, maybe, like, he oftentimes doesn't put himself in the best spot. He kind of plays passing lanes instead of bodies. But then when he picks the puck off, like, eight out of ten times, you're like, well, I guess that's a good play <laughs> for him to do. Like, it's like it's unorthodox, but he's so talented, it works for him. Um, yeah, there's a lot, a lot to appreciate about his game. And the fact is, I saw him in August. He is demonstrably better now than he was in August. That's only four months ago. So, you know, to see that kind of improvement for a guy who already is the best in the world at his age would make you feel good about where he's going because he's still not even close to a finished product. Yeah, such a treat to watch that guy over the past couple weeks. And no matter what he turns into in the NHL, uh, I'd imagine it's going to be fun to watch. Yes. Our TSN hockey analyst Mike Johnson on the phone right now. MJ, the Leafs sweep the weekend. While we were in Halifax, things started to get a little bit spicier around here with the Leafs. But they get it back on the rails uh, with two wins this weekend. What's your biggest takeaway from those two wins this weekend? Um, I mean, I think the sign of a mature team is... You know, even when you're not playing well, finding a way to get points and beating teams you're supposed to beat. And I don't think the Leafs played particularly great in either game, really. 
Um, but they played well enough to win, and they kind of problem-solved and did enough and figured it out um, that they were successful comfortably, and that's the sign of a really good team. I also think it shows that if the Leafs get good goaltending, they're very tough to beat. Mm-hmm. And like every, like there's, there's no team in the league, really, that can, can get by with poor goaltending. No team is good enough to do that. Not the Leafs, not anybody, not Boston. Um, so as long as the Leafs get good goaltending, and they got it from Samson off on Saturday, they certainly got it last night from Murray on Sunday, um, they're going to be just fine. And I think this is the only conversation. Like Basically, when, when we went to World Juniors, the Leafs started to struggle in their goaltenders. And, you know, we dig in the numbers, and we talked about an awful lot during the broadcast last night. It's not as though since December 15th, when the Leafs started kind of started this mediocre run, They've played badly defensively. In fact, many of their defensive measures have gotten better. The goalies just have gone through a rough patch, which happens to just about everyone. Certainly not astonishing it happens to these two guys, given the years they're coming back on. But what matters is how long does that last, how quickly they can correct it. And it looks as though through this weekend they're on their way to correcting it, which is, which is what the Leafs need. And if you look at the season on aggregate, their goalie numbers, the Leafs would have taken where their goaltenders are at on January 1st and run with it. Like They've been as good or better than they could be expected to be, um, given where they were coming from last year. I nearly fell off my chair the other day when I heard Brian Hayes ask you a goal, ask you a question and use an expected goal statistic. Yeah. I, I nearly fell out of my chair. I was like, if O was on this panel right now, <laughs> he would have probably walked up and, and left. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's nice to see the goaltending, I guess, get, uh, get back to it. But they're also getting depth scoring. I mean, mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about Kelly Yarncroft. Had a nice goal last night. He's got 11 points his last nine games since returning from that injury just before the, the Christmas break. Leads the team with seven points and five on five in that stretch, six of which being primary points. I mean, how impressive have you been with his fit on that second line? And, I mean, is he making a case to, to stick there? I Of course, you have to be impressed, right? Like, he's come back and he's produced. Um, I guess I'm a little surprised just because, like, he's been a smart player. So, why I'm not surprised? He's been a smart player. He's been versatile. And he's played with other good players and been successful. So that all would say, well, you go with Tavares and Marner, you know what you're doing out there, and you can shoot, you should be able to be successful. But it's not as easy as that. And he's never really done it before. He's never scored 20 in the NHL. He's never been a point producer. Maybe he never played in this role, but he's never really done it uh, like kind of a big picture for long term. So um, you have to be impressed. But this is why they got him, right? Like just a guy that can do a lot of different things at a pretty good level. Um, and, and add to versatility to their team. What he's doing, I don't know if it's saying he's there for good the whole year. I mean, you're not going to change him while he's on this role, but it shows like another option that they can use if they need to change things around. Um, and, and I think that's great. Uh, so, yeah, seeing him pick up points is huge. But I just think in general, like Engvall, all of a sudden is on pace for whatever, 15, 16 goals. Mm-hmm. And Comp is on pace for whatever, 13, 14, like all these guys that you're hoping to get the double-digit even-strength goals are all kind of doing it now, and A.B. is starting to produce points. Yeah. For as much offense as the Leafs have, the defense, goals, and points was really pretty pedestrian the first half of the year. Five points against Detroit on Saturday for the Leafs' defense. Morgan Riley picking up some assists. 
couple goals last night, um, also significant. Lilligan and the shorty. And Connor Timmins, stick tap to him, first ever goal. Like, that's a big moment for him. He's been through some tough time, injury and otherwise. So, um, and he's got like, randomly a lot of points, they be this year. 10 and 12. Hasn't played that much. 10 and 12 for a guy who's supposed to be a project, uh, producing not like one. So, yeah, I think that's a lot of stuff to kind of like about things rounding into form. And we're halfway through the year. Now you can kind of extrapolate maybe point totals, goal totals, and they seem all a little, little bit more normalized at this point in the season. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about Connor Timmins, who got into the game last night, kind of last minute after TJ Brody didn't draw in. Uh, we heard after the game from Sheldon Keefe, something new bothering him. Needs a couple yeah. days to recoup, Don't so like hopefully that. that all works out. What do you think the path forward here with Connor Timmins is? AB just said 10 points in 12 games. He's effective. Uh, he's been effective in every game that he's gotten in. Do you think the Leafs make an effort to get him in more games going forward here? I think he's probably played himself into the seventh defense spot ahead of Jordy Ben. That you know what I mean? Like yeah. like I think their top six is their top six, right? It's gonna be Brody and, and Riley and, and Giordano and Hall and Lilligren and, and Sandine. That's established. But I probably now is is Connor Timmons because I don't think he makes it through waivers again, right? Like no. I think no. he he would absolutely get claimed. So you can't really send him the minors, which is good for Connor Timmons. Um, he's a right shot which we know they need and he is, like, the one thing he's really good at and has shown an ability to do right away is pass the puck. And if you play for Toronto, the pri- like, the primary thing besides defending for a defenseman to be good at is passing the puck. And he's, and he's got a real nice feel for that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm, I've been impressed. I think the Leafs have been impressed. I thought, they, I thought the Leafs figured you'll play a little bit, we'll get guys back healthy, and he'll go to the minors, and we'll work with him, and maybe he becomes something. But he's fast-tracked that um, to, a, to a large degree, and so I don't think he's going anywhere now, and, he, and he'll be part of their plans the rest of the year, and he'll be part of their plans going in the future. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I've, I've been very impressed with what Karin Timmons has done in such a short time span here, and to the point, I'm, I'm going to ask you this question, uh, MJ, and... and you know, between the three, I guess, young defensemen on this blue line, Connor Timmins, Rasmus Sandin, and Timothy Lilligren, of those three, which one to you has maybe the biggest uh, ceiling of the trio there? Hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, I think Lilligren is better defensively than the other two. Like that. I don't know if any of them have massive offensive upside, 10 points in 12 games aside. Like, they're all pretty good with the puck, but Sandine or Lilgren maybe feels like he's the steadiest defensively. Mm. So, um, but they're all kind of similar. They're all, you know, good two-way defenders, not great at anything, but not really bad at anything either. Um, and you love to see multiple bodies that age kind of on affordable contracts that you can help round out your your team with so it's a I don't think it has to be this guy is better than this guy or this guy is above this guy they're all kind of lumped in together and if you can add Tim into that conversation which he's probably not there yet um, like that is a great situation for the Leafs to be in uh, in conversation with Mike Johnson, our TSN hockey analyst, I saw in Jonas uh, Siegel's piece in The Athletic this morning that Mark Giordano has taken the most penalties of any defenseman in the entire league, 10 minors, in his last 15 games in that, in that stretch. 
I mean, could this speak to the tread on the tires from earlier this season where he had to play those top pair of minutes? Uh, I know that he said in the past he doesn't like coming out of the lineup. He feels like he, he plays better when he plays all the time and plays a lot. But might it be best long-term to get nights off, especially on the second night of a back-to-back like last night would have been? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, you don't want to interrupt his rhythm. He prides himself on being in great shape and playing. But a little bit of load management, whether it's pulling him out of a game or whether it's, you know, cutting back his ice time, maybe he doesn't kill penalties to the same degree. Like, you know, I mean, there, there are other ways for you to, to ease his burden without necessarily completely scratching him from a game. Um, but I think that's something that is going to be important for Mark Giordano and, and the Leafs to figure out to get him at his best self because he's going to have to be good down the stretch. He's going to have to be good in the playoffs. And so whatever they need to do to make sure he's at his best there, they should do. But now with, you know, Timmons having an emerging a little bit and they have seven defense and Ben, maybe eight defensemen they can use, they can afford to kind of mix and match a little bit as they go forward um, and be mindful of, of his energy levels and, and, and where his game's at. Okay, MJ, I'm going to be kind of a... Da- I don't know if it's downer. Austin Matthews okay. is an all-world player. Um, but this season, and this season, he's, he's is he leading the Leafs in, in points right now since I checked yesterday still? I don't know. Whatever well, the I case may be. I think Marner is ahead of him by one or two. Yeah. yeah okay, they're so they're neck and there. neck yeah. in terms of leading this team in points. But uh, you mentioned last night, if it's not 50, it kind of feels like a down year just as a result of the standard that he set for himself and, and for fans over his past six or so years in the league. What do you think is different this year about Austin Matthews? Is it as easy as they're just not dropping the way that they were last year? And yes, last year, every time something went close to the net, it just seemed to go in, and the opposite is happening this year? Or is there something tangible that you're noticing? Um, It's probably a little bit of everything, right? I think it's worth noting at this time last year, I think he had only two goals more, right? So, like, you know, the pace was kind of similar now. You could kind of explain some of that pace because of the wrist surgery and everything else. But, you know, he's not that far off of what he did last year. Now, I don't expect him to score 60 again this year just because the crazy run he went on last year. But, so I think, you know, he's not that far off from last year. I think there has been a commitment to team defense on the Toronto Maple Leafs, maybe to a greater extent than years past. Stylistically, they evolved a little bit off a rush team into more of a cycle team, which can be a little bit harder to score goals on, even for the great Austin Matthews. I think there absolutely is an element of pucks are not going in yet. Like, he's creating a lot of chances, getting a lot of shots, and they are not yet scoring the way that he has in the past. And then the way that at some point this year he will, he'll probably bump up that a little bit. Um, There's probably elements of his own game where he's more focused on trying to be a good two-way forward as opposed to, you know, maybe just maximizing the offense. You put all that in a big pot, you stir it up, and you're like, okay, yeah, so he's – He's a few goals off last year's pace. He's on pace for whatever it is, 43 instead of 60. He'll probably end up with 50-ish. Um, and he might be as good a player while doing so. And that, that's kind of the conversation that he's going as. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's all those different things. Uh, and I think teams are defending him well. Like on the power play, I watched, you know, we watched sort of power play goal yesterday. But, like, the power play looks he gets this year – JT is, are not the same. Like, um, he's not getting the same quality or quantity kind of of looks this year as he has in years past because teams defend him too hard, which allows other people to be open. Um, so 
it's all those factors. It's never one reason. It's kind of a little bit of everything. All right, Johnny, we'll leave it there. Appreciate the time, as always. It was nice for the three of us to, yeah. to get together and have a, another nice conversation. It's been a long time since we've been able to <laughs> yeah, do that. Seriously. So appreciate it, buddy. We'll chat again next week. All right, now listen, I'm getting back to my movie. Where are you guys? So I'm old. I have kids <laughs> that would have lost. I am Twilight on my hotel room, and I am like... Totally engrossed in it. Oh, that like, was like that was my favorite series of novels when I was in elementary school. Johnny, I got a, a terrible, terrible thing to tell you, and I'm so embarrassed oh, to say this I on air. I binge watched the entire Twilight <laughs> series with my mother over the holidays, and I ended up staying up till four a.m. that day. Oh, I'm with my people. No shame, AB. No shame. <laughs> I'm with it. my people. In fact, I I, I haven't the, Twilight the original the first one was just on yeah and I'm hoping the second one follows it right up on like Showtime or something I am gonna if it's not I'm going to my iPad I'm downloading Twilight for the plane right home tonight. So, <laughs> I love it I love it I, awesome. I can't help myself I'm like a teeny bopper it's terrible uh, it's funny it's it, it's the thing is too it, it's the cheesiest movies but they just get you they suck you yeah. they're they're yeah. actually terribly acted and very cheesy, but for whatever reason, you just keep watching it. Are you team? I'm roped in. Are you team Edward or, or team Jacob? MJ. <laughs> um, uh, I like the I like the I like Jacob. I okay. like the kind of the werewolf. Huh? The werewolf. Yeah, I mean, oh. I know he's not the star, but like I like the werewolf pack, pack yeah. mentality. My coyote days coming back to haunt the show. I like it. I like it. I like it. All right, Johnny. Maybe right, we'll, we'll get the four one one on the rest of the series next week. All right, NJT, I'll see you at uh, pickup later tonight. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> yeah. There he goes. Mike Johnson, TSN hockey analyst, avid, avid fan of the Twilight series.